Well, hello there, and welcome to Take Two with Jerry and Debbie. Only it's Debbie Giorgiani today with this special pre-recorded broadcast, and I mean it is special, uh, folks, uh, that we need the Take Two family to really pay attention to this interview today because this is a life-changing interview. Uh, please sit back. No calls today. Uh, so just, um, and then, you know what, actually, after you listen to this interview with the special guest that we have who's in studio right now at the EWTN Irondale uh, Studios in Alabama, please pass it on to a friend, share it with a friend, go on social media and share this broadcast uh, with a friend. Very important that we get the messages out about faith and uh, survival and thriving through things that are really, really traumatic and forgiveness. So with that, um, I'm going to introduce our wonderful guest. And by the way, um, Jerry Usher will be back tomorrow. So no worries on that. This is a pre-recorded broadcast um, put together by our wonderful producer, Ace McKay. So with that, I want to introduce um, our incredible amazing guest. Uh, she is a hero of mine. I will tell you, I heard her story in the early 2000s. And I, every time I hear this story, my heart starts to race. And um, I, I, get, I, I start to get nervous for her. But when you hear the ending, I think everybody's going to learn and grow um, from her uh, journey, her testimony, and what she has lived through. Immaculee Ilabagiza, um, she is amazing. Um, She's from Rwanda, and let me give you her background. She's born and raised in a small village in Rwanda, Africa. She enjoyed a peaceful childhood with her loving parents and three brothers. Education was very important in her household. So it was no surprise that she did well in school and went on to the National University of Rwanda to study electrical and mechanical engineering. It was while she was home from school on Easter break in 1994 that Immaculee's life was changed, uh, transformed forever. And Immaculee is an inspirational author of six books and motivational speaker known for her powerful story of survival during the Rwandan genocide. She has a new book entitled Left to Tell, and, and she's hosting a show on EWTN called I Forgive. Immaculee, you're amazing. You're a survivor. You you are a thriver. You're incredible. Uh, your story, we have to hear the details. So welcome to Take Two. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, let's start. Let's start here because when I when we uh, were introduced, when Ace McKay put us together. Now you're in the EWTN studios in Irondale, Alabama, right now. So that's why we have a very clear signal because you're right there in the studios, yeah. and uh, we're grateful to Ace for that. Um, and for you making time for us, but why I said to, I, I said to you, Immaculate, I want to, I want to pronounce your name correctly, and, and so so say your your name, your first name, your last name, and then tell us the background story of how you got your name. Oh, thank you. Yeah, my name is uh, Immaculate Libagiza. Uh, I'm from Rwanda, this beautiful center of Africa, really beautiful country. Known, especially, of course, by the genocide against Tutsis, but also about Our Lady of Kibeho messages and apparitions. So in Rwanda, we have a culture that everybody have their own last name. 
and the name last name is given by your father only your father can name you or if your father is not there your grandparents can parent can do that the father so anyway on the eighth day after you are born the father names you raise you to heaven they are not supposed to say word before they name you because they are supposed to think for seven days what god want to call their child and then they call a name so Ilibagiza, which was the very first name I was given until I got baptized with Immaculate two weeks later, Ilibagiza is an, a word we call Our Lady in poems, calling her really most beautiful, beautiful in body and in source, shining brighter than the sun. So I remember when my people used to come home and they would say, you called her that? That's a, a lot to ask for a child. But my dad always replied, I just wanted to give her to a lady. He really loved our lady. Oh. Yeah. What was your, what was your dad's name? My dad was Leonard Ukurikinyindi, another last name, long one. His parents called him. And my mom was Marie Rose. So they were Catholic. But my dad converted when he was 16 years old and his mother have just died. So when he converted, he completely embraced the Catholic Church, especially to have a mother f- because of Our Lady. So he was com- very dedicated to her. Wow. Did you have images, uh, religious, uh, spiritual images around the home? Yes, we did. And they were all carved in wood, you know, neighbors. We uh-huh. did many, many, <laughs> and pictures. And, um, yeah, I remember we on Christmas, we literally created a crib all together. My dad, my brothers, my mom, everyone had to go to cut a little piece of wood. We, we made a big one. Wow. Yeah, and we, we cut stars. So the day before Christmas was a big day to cook. But my mom would make like all white clothes for us. And then we'd create a crib together. So yeah, our faith was very important. We never went to sleep without praying together. And I still remember my my brothers will bring their friends to sleep over, and my dad told them, anyone who comes here, you have to tell them about our our tradition. We all go to the Onis in front of the cross, and the picture of a lady, you know, immaculate heart of a lady, and the picture of the sacred heart, and we all say our Catholic prayers, like all 15 prayers. So sometimes their friends will come and they will see remaining sitting, and my dad will look at my brothers. You mm. didn't prepare them. You only bring somebody here who is willing to go to their knees every single night if they're sleeping over. Wow. Yeah, so. yeah, I, I, you know, I can just hear it in your in your voice. You you love talking about your family, and yeah. and my heart just breaks. My heart breaks that you know. Wow. Well, we're going to get more into your story. You're go- going to hear the music in in just a, in just a few seconds, and we're we're going to hit the pause button. But we're going to talk more about your your precious family and what you lived through, Immaculate, and and how you learned to forgive and how your faith sustained you yes. uh, through that time in 1994. So, there's the music right on cue, uh, folks. This is our pre-recorded broadcast with our amazing guest. Immaculate Bill Begizi, really. When we come back, more with Immaculate on this pre recorded broadcast on Take Two with Jerry and Debbie. More of our conversation with 
Immaculee Illabagiza. Uh, when we, in just about a minute, I want to share with our listeners because very important highlights coming up for this new year. Uh, uh, but, you know, folks, you got to mark your calendars and participate and uh, tune into EWTN radio and television. Uh, the March for Life, EWTN's coverage of the National March for Life starts this Friday morning at 8 Eastern on EWTN TV and radio. You can find out more at marchforlife.org, marchforlife.org. So please, folks, um, we've got to pay attention and tune in and, and um, share with our friends what's going on in the world. Very important. We, we stand strong together. Immaculate, um, let's go back to uh, your family, uh, 1994, the Rwandan genocide. Anything else you want to share about, um, you know, when you were home for that Easter break, uh, how this conflict all started in in uh, your area where where you lived in Rwanda, and um, you know, what was it like? You know, what what was that Easter break like? And then how did it all of a sudden change? You know, overnight. Can you give us the details? I know this is a big story. This is your life story, um, but if you can condense it down, uh, it'll help the rest of us. And then I, I have like so many questions and not enough time to ask mm. you all these questions. Oh, thank you so much again. You know, I just want to mention. I mention a lot my parents and the the life we have lived. Because it is the more I grow, I realize the importance of parents in the, in their children's lives, the importance of faith, also the gift of, of parents to have, and our children, of our family members. So anytime I mention that, all these memories that comes up, I'm just grateful for have, to have had them and what they have taught me, especially in my faith, the values of life. You know, we can have everything material, but if we have no life with God, we are nothing. And again, many times, uh, like everyone, sometimes we, we take our, our loved ones for granted. And I have done that when I was a child. I thought my parents are supposed to be there, you know, all the time, know what is going on, solve all the problems. And my brothers are supposed to be there to protect me. And all of a sudden, they just go. So when I mention this, I truly wish just to, to let people know the gift of the loved ones and to be able to look at them today when you still have them. You are a gift of God in my life. I love you. I appreciate you. So, mm. yeah, you, what you're saying is, again, the, how the whole story started. So I went home for Easter holiday. I was in a boarding school in college. And uh, I, I just went home for Easter holiday thinking it was going to, to be one week. And I will never forget, on Wednesday in the morning, my brother came to my room and told me the president of the country was killed the night before. But all this was prepared. The moment he was killed, which we believe was really an action and a sign so that they can start to, to find a reason to kill people for a tribe. That's what we believe. That's what it was. Like Ten minutes after he was killed, they started to kill people of our tribe. Two hours after, I still remember BBC Radio reported 18 families that were killed. And they were said things like 10 children and mom and dad, five children and mom and dad. I still remember my father saying, this never happened before. Where they kill a whole family, what is going on? And that's why they, they call it a genocide, attempt to eliminate a whole group of people. So in Rwanda, we had two main tribes, Hutu and Tutsis. And the Hutus were the majority, at least from the paper, because this is a tribes were created by politicians for their own reasons. But the power was in the hands of the tribe Hutu, 99%. 
So there were always a little bit of a rivalry between Tutsi and Hutus. They always thought if the Tutsis ever take over, I mean, they can take over from them. If they're well-educated, if they have this, they can take over from them. So they always killed Tutsis who went to school, who have a PhD. They would always eliminate you. So this time they created a genocide to eliminate this whole group of people. And with that, we had about a million Tutsis who were run away from the country, who were refugees in Uganda and in our neighbors' countries, who have been asking just to come to visit their people, their, their mothers. They were not allowed to. So that was also like a little pressure that scared them. Let's kill their brothers. So then they never want to come back. So, and that how it started. So on that day, something was prepared. Literally, they had addresses, house by house. They started to kill. So when it started, my parents, my dad, I remember he handed me a rosary, rosary beads. That was the last words we exchanged. Without words, really. It is only what I heard inside. He said, take the rosary and go to the neighbor who was from the Hutu tribe and who was a good man, by the way. And this really, again, it also told me, even if people might difference, differentiate people and put them in groups, there is no one who is like another exactly because you. They just come from that group, or they're all bad, or they're even all good. So I always, again, are so appreciative of my father and my mom, who used to teach us, never judge people, all of them, because they come from the same group. Always open your heart and see who is a person. If they do wrong to you, they can harm you, take you distance. But if they are good, then you can approach them. So this man was one of those people from the other tribe, even if they were supposed to be our enemies, but whom was a friend of my father and they knew he was a good man. So he sent me to the house. And I remember the last, I mean, when we were looking at each other, lastly, it felt like I would never see him again. But with the rosary he gave me, I also felt he was telling me, if you ever need anything, you know what to do. You go to God. You go to a lady. You ask her for her help. She will take care of you. So it was a lot to take in, which was not spoken, but in my heart it was there. And I, 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 I fought those thoughts. No, 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 we'll see each other. But the truth is, that was the last time I ever saw them. I went to the house of a neighbor. He put me to sit in a bathroom of three by four feet with other seven women. We spent in that place three months. And all I did was to pray the rosary. And I had so much changes that happened to my heart, from anger to forgiveness, from lack of hope to actually be joyful, knowing that God will take care of me as long as I continue to pray. I had dreams of Our Lady, dreams of our Lord, especially showing me and literally speaking to me that as long as you continue to love me and to trust me, I will be there for you and I will do more for you than what your parents could have been able to do for you. So during those three months, they were hunting people. They were hunting us. I mean, they came up to the door of, our, of the bathroom, five inches away, the killers, and they never found us, really by the grace of God. Not that we knew how to hide better. And uh, three months later, we came out, a million people have been killed, hmm. including wow. my parents, our homes, everything. We're, sp uh, we're speaking with Immaculate Ilabagiza and... Uh, Wow, I'm getting very emotional. This is very hard. I don't know how. Wow, well, I do know how. You had your faith, and you had the rosary, and your dad was so 
amazing to hand you that rosary. I have so many questions to ask you, mm-hmm. Immaculate. Um, when you were in that um, that small bathroom um, with those seven women, um, were there, uh, you know, were, were some of the uh, the other women were they a women of faith? And that um, that that Hutu um, uh, person that that uh, took you into his home. I mean, obviously, he was probably deathly afraid, right, of being mm-hmm. killed. Um, so there was all that. Did you know when you were in that uh, bathroom for three months, did you know that your family was killed? Oh, I I suspected it because people were talking outside. I suspected they were killed, but I refused to accept it because I also heard outside people saying that they saw me, that they killed me, they saw my body. So then that allowed me a little tiny chance to think maybe they are not killed. But you, I felt it, 90% I felt it. The man who he does was a Protestant pastor, so he had faith and he was scared for his life and for the lives of his children. As women, we never spoke to each other because he told even his children that we were not there, that he sent us away. So nobody knew that we were there. And he told us, if anyone say a word, even his child can hear, you never know what can happen. So we had to be absolutely quiet. And they were coming to search over and over. And all this time, he told us he was shaking, he was sweating. He told they would find us. So they didn't find us really by the grace of God. Yeah, the women, they had faith because one of the women was a, also a wife of a, a Protestant pastor and her two children. But because we never spoke, I didn't know what was happening in their hearts, but I prayed the rosary. They, I was the only one who had the rosary. I remember, though, the mother, one older woman who was with us, so because at a certain time we asked the pastor to give us a Bible, so I would have the Bible, put it in my mouth, eat the pages of the Bible. I just wanted to disappear with God. I remember looking at the letters. I'm like, just make me one of those so that they don't see us. And then the woman will grab the Bible from me. She will put it in her stomach. She will put it on her back, on her head. It was just desperation. Truly only counting on God. No one could have protected us. I, I am trying to imagine, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting in my home studio and there's, there's a restroom just down the hall. And I'm trying to imagine being in the, 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 the bathroom for three months with, with seven other individuals, seven women, and you're, you're in fear. Um, you're hungry, like you said, you know, all sorts of things are happening and that you, that you're, you're not aware of. You've got this, this pastor that is, is keeping you in his, in his home and and so i'm sure that that it just it just felt like moment to moment anything could could happen and that could be the end but yet you were praying the rosary wow i mean did you may i ask did you experience our lady or or anyone from uh heaven like your guardian angel did did you have any of that <coughs> those encounters or did the women have any of those encounters yeah Yes, in some ways, I, I never had apparitions, I wish. I always ask our lady, please, I need to see you. <laughs> I love her very much. I wish I can see our Lord. But mm-hmm. I have seen her many times in my dreams. And during the genocide, I literally felt she was there. This is what I used to feel. I feel like she was there. I can't, couldn't see in her face but because we were sitting on the ground. So I felt when I was sleeping, like my head was resting on her lap. And I felt like she had her hands over my head. And I would wake up to that and I would look like, she's not here. But yet I felt that 
that presence, I feel her voice in my heart, you know, speaking, but again, it can be me, me imagining, but that was so comforting. And I didn't start to pray right away. In the beginning, like the first week, you know, I was very self-righteous. How can we? How can this be? I was angry. And all that anger, I felt was blocking the grace of God. It was blocking those holy dreams or, or that beautiful voice in my heart. It was blocking that. It was just my anger. Then at a certain time, it became worse. They started to search for us. And I remember one time when they were inside, which I felt I was dead and came back to life. I mean, this was a four-bedroom house being searched by three four, to four hundred people. So I thought I was dying. And I remember begging God, if you are there, if somebody have created me, if all I heard in my home about faith and my church, I beg you, just give us one sign that you truly can be. You are here in the bathroom, not in the church, not in the sky, far away, but you are here in my heart, as I know my faith tells me. And I remember asking God, if you can hear me, don't let the killers find the door of the bathroom. That day, they came up to five inches away from us. Oh. They touched the hand of the door. And one man, one of the killers said, oh, we trust you. You are one of us. And he turned back and they left. It was that time I decided to pray against my anger, against all this anxiety I had. I truly had to make a strong decision decision I need to pray I picked up the rosary and I spoke to God as I'm talking to you now I would pray our father who art in heaven and then I would stop what do you mean our father are you the father of the bad guys too and then slowly I realized yeah the same way my father was a father of my brothers when they do wrong or right the same way father God was was my father and that what and their father too and that what he tells us in the bible I, he loves us more than we can love our own children. What does that mean? That means he loves everybody more than my dad can love the, his, his son, could have loved his sons, could have loved me. And what does that mean? It means he hurt over people who do wrong. That's why I really came to understand, pray for your enemies. Because when you pray for them, it's not necessary for their sake, but at least for the sake of their father, for the sake of my father. Because he's risking to lose his own children. So if you love God, you really have to pray for your enemies because they're also his children. So the rosary became not just saying words, but truly having an, an encounter with God and talking to him and asking him questions. And he was explaining to my heart. And with that, every moment I pray the rosary. I mean, I remember one time I counted how many rosaries. I say 27 rosaries every wow. single day. Wow. And those were a conversation. And when I let go that conversation, I felt the devil was back. Oh, they will rape you. They will cut you in pieces. Oh, it's better to die than living. But I'm like, but God is my father. But God is almighty. I always keep talking to him. He's the only one who have a say over my life. And I'm not taking away my life. He's the one who I will ask him to take care of me. So it was an encounter with God, 
by deciding to listen to the devil or deciding to listen to God. Wow. I told you folks, uh, the Take Two family, this special uh, pre-recorded broadcast for the new year, you were going to get a lot out of it. This is an, an incredible journey uh, um, of your transformation and what you had to live through, Immaculate. We're speaking with Immaculate Ilabagiza, and uh, Immaculate is, is in the EWTN Irondale studios in Irondale, Alabama. She is with us, and we are so grateful to her that she is making this time to tell us her journey, her story of faith and forgiveness during the 1994 Rwandan genocide. Wow. You got to stay with us, folks. Immaculate has more to share. We'll be right back. Incredible conversation on this pre-recorded broadcast of Take Two with Jerry and Debbie. Jerry will be back tomorrow. It's a new year, folks, and we have more new content shows prepared for you. Why? Because you need to hear what's going on in people's lives with faith and forgiveness and what they've been through and how they've survived and now thriving. And Immaculate um, Ilabagiza is with us, and we're so grateful. And I love this conversation because I'm learning and growing. We hope you are as well. Please pass this episode to friends that need to hear this, especially when they have this hardness of heart and they're angry at everybody. And, you know, it's, it's us against them. And Immaculate is talking about how you have to break down those walls to let the graces flow, let the blessings flow, let it be transformative. Immaculate, I could... I could talk to you for, and I mean this, for hours and hours. Mm-hmm. You definitely are a hero of mine uh, because you are, um, I think you are the, the perfect person to share um, of going through such incredible hardship and uh, traumatic, tragic experience of, of losing your family so quickly um, and then to have to to try and survive and you to make it out alive uh, but and and then to to leave like when you when you finish the experience immaculate um, you know most people would be bitter and distant from God and you know turning away from God and and not trusting anyone you you did the exact opposite you you let it transform you in a way that is now you can be that role model for all of us and and so I think God used you and is continue is continuing to use you in very special ways uh, for the rest of us. I've said this many times. Ace, our producer, and Jerry has heard me say this many times. We need more heroes in the world, mm-hmm. and I, I put you in that category. So um, go back to um, the the what in 1994 in Rwanda, your beautiful uh, home country, and you uh, were in this three month. Um, you know, tightly, you know, quarters with the, with these other women in this bathroom of this pastor, this Protestant pastor of the, of the Hutus who allowed you to come in and he risked his own life and his own family, um, for, to, to help you. What did you see? Okay. So when it was starting to get to be like, you know, two and a half months, did you start to think, you know, this is never going to end? I mean, what is going on? Did you have those thoughts? Oh, yes. Many times I had those thoughts. Oh, all the time. I thought, okay, first thought was, are we going to make it today? And then when I saw, like you said, a month, we are surviving. And I really started to, to trust God that he will protect me. That's what I was asking for. I'm like, just not today. Don't let me die like this. Please, not today. I just want to die in peace. 
And uh, I saw that was happening. Even they come to search, they will not find us. So I started to wonder how long it will be. Because I couldn't tell God, oh, can I be finished quick? It was more like, are we going to make it? Where are we going to live? Where are we going to go? But yes, I thought about it. Is it going to be one year, two years, three years? Is this man going to keep us? Is he going to get tired? Are we going to die here? Because I remember when I went in the bathroom, I was 115 pounds. When I came out three months later, I was 65 pounds. What? Every bone of my body. I still remember checking. Like, wow, we have two bones here on the arms because I can touch the between. I remember the first doctor who was a French who saw me. He was a military when we just came out. He said, you will never be normal. You survived, but you didn't. You will have heart problems, river problem. All your organs are all dried. And I remember I tightened my rosary and I said, no, God is not going to allow that to happen. If he protected me from the killers, he will not allow me to die with the consequences. It is God who saved me. So I had that determination just through prayer. But yeah, it was that bad. I mean, I wished I knew it was going to be three months. It could have been so much easier. But it was a surprise. One evening, he said, I'm going to take you tonight to the refugee camp because I can't keep you. And then we got ready. We were falling back and forth because our our legs had become so, so rigid. We couldn't stand. Oh, my goodness. Mm Wow. I, I mean, I, I, I'm trying to hear I'm doing this again because I'm very visual, uh, Immaculate, and, and I'm thinking 65 pounds. I mean, you must, you were, you were literally skin and bones and you were, wow. I, I can't even, I don't know how you, well, I do know how you did it. It was your faith. It, was, it had to have been your faith, right? It, it really is only the faith and is God. And my faith allowed me to trust him, to hold on to the prayer. And I truly, I give retreats, I speak about this and, you know, and I, I write, of course, many, a few books now, many books now. But I, one thing I wish to tell people is the power of prayer. And it's not talking about the prayer, but pray, pray, call upon God, read the Bible, practice your faith and the rest, leave it to God. Even if you are about to die, you will receive that peace that it's okay to go. I have one brother who wrote to me the day before they killed him. He was always scared to die. If we left him, we left him in, a, in a closed room, no light, he would be screaming. And the day before they killed him, he wrote me a letter. If I die, do not worry. I will go to heaven because I'm prepared for that. Not once have I prepared myself thinking, oh, I will go to heaven. Let me just die. No, I was just telling God, not now. Another day, I know I will die, but not right now. I don't know how. So faith, prayer, brings such a reality of heaven and help from heaven that helps us to endure whatever we are going through. And Our Lady did very beautifully to me. She said, pray the rosary every day. And then my job is to try to say it from my heart, to forgive as I pray our Lord's prayer, which is a part of the rosary. Forgive us as we forgive those who, who trespass against us. Our Father, saying it with the heart, pray to our dear Mother to pray for us, full of grace, and then meditate on the mysteries of the Rosary and be there and learn from them. So if you have done that every day, you truly have the grace of God that will help you in whatever you may be going through. And the help of God comes to give us strength, to give us hope, to give us peace, to give us joy no matter what you go through, because nothing prepared me for what I was going to endure 
and nothing prepared me how I was going to feel. So, right, yeah, the right. grace of God that comes with prayer, our part, our part, our faith, is amazing and kind of not something we can ever predict. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Immaculate, I promise you this from this day forward, oh. okay, we're in a new year, 2024, and um, I, whenever I feel down, whenever I feel like, oh, poor me, I'm carrying this heavy cross, I am going, I promise you this, I'm going to think of you and your journey and your, um, you know, transformation of, of having to go from, you know, being sad and angry that, you know, here you had your family during this Easter break, and then, you know, a few days later, you didn't have your family any longer. And then you became an, an orphan and a refugee, you know, you had to move from your home country. I mean, wow, I'm going to think of you all the time. And that's, and I, and I pray that the good Lord allows me to, to get lifted out of my, oh, poor me attitude, because I, I got to tell you, your story, I think, should be required uh, a required story for re- religious education. Um, and because I, I don't think, I think we are getting a catechesis in our, in our, in our uh, Catholic schools and our religious education programs, but I don't think we're getting an in-depth catechesis um, on various levels. And your story would be most helpful. I can tell you that because I, I was I have a background in religious education for over thirty years. So I just want to say I promise you from this day forward, Thank I will you. think of you in your journey, and um, I'll try to hold back the tears um, because I I don't know how you did it. I, I well. I keep saying that, but I do know how you how you did it. You did it because of your strong faith. You're named after the Blessed Mother. Your father knew to name you after the Blessed Mother. You had that connection. You have that connection. The Blessed Mother took care of you. You hung on. You stayed faithful. You prayed the Rosary, you know, multiple times a day in that in that tiny little bathroom with you know being being um, you know squeezed in there with other uh, women, seven women. That's that's unbelievable. In in and of itself, um, but but Immaculate, let me ask you this question. So after you um, uh, you were you know safe or you know so, somewhat safe, and you came out of the bathroom, and you knew that you were still alive, you know barely, and and you you moved forward. I mean, what were you thinking? Like, what did you think your future was going to be like? And and obviously, you came to the United States. I want to ask you, how was that? Uh, did people receive you well? Mm-hmm. Um, you you became a motivational speaker, inspirational speaker, and author. Um, we've got it. You've got a new book. Uh, what's the title of the new book that EWTN is, is promoting? Yes, I have a new book called A Blessing in Disguise, and we have a series now with EWTN called As I Forgive. Mm. Wow. Wow. And then you have the, the a book, Mary Speaks to the World from the Heart of Africa. Yes. Our and Lady of Kibeho. Yeah, beautiful. It's Kibeho. one of my best. Yeah. Yeah, Our Lady of Kibeho. I love that. Wow. Mm. Mary Speaks to the World from the Heart of of Africa. I love that. Um, so let's talk about your future. What were you thinking? What were your first thoughts? That's your, a good question. Yeah. Well, thank you. See, I see you got to tell my producer that, you know, you have, Ace, is, <laughs> Ace is always saying you ask those those detailed questions. No, you have a beautiful questions. Actually, I thought about that. I'm like, wow, this is someone who really think about a story and you take it to heart. Because this Thank is just you. very deeply, faithfully also, you know, about our faith and very strong questions. Thank you. Thank you. You mm-hmm. know, I did. That's a really good question because, again, not many people 
ask that, but when I came outside of the genocide, I had no idea what was the future going to be. No idea. And that was a question I asked God many times, or I asked myself. I used to think, I wish you can give me a glimpse of what next month looks like. Where am I going to be? Am I going to be here? Am I going to be in another city? I had zero idea. And that was not so bad. It was the first time I can truly say I am counting on God. I am completely counting on God for what he wants me to be. I had no dream except peace, except to have joy, to have peace, to have hope, to be somewhere no one is trying to kill me. That's all. No dreams about, oh, I can have a family, I can have this. I have no idea what I wanted except to love God. And I remember those questions when I put them to God. It felt like he was telling me, just do your best today. You don't know what is tomorrow. You saw what happened three months ago when you were having fun in your home and having dinner on our table, talking to mom and laughing with dad and my brothers. And the next morning, it was over. And then I was in the bathroom and I still didn't know when I was going to come out. And then one day, oh, it's time to come out. So it have taught me, and to this day, I think I, I remain with that. Every day is a gift, actually every moment. And my job is to try to live every moment with faith, loving somebody, caring for somebody, giving myself to the best I can, because I don't know what is next moment. We saw some countries that have earthquakes like suddenly, and everything is turned upside down. So th that really remained very close to my heart. Whenever I can, I go to confession. I mean, I try to go to confession every two weeks because one day I'm going to go to my Lord and he's going to ask me what I have done, what have you, how I have used my life. So instead of worrying so much about what is next year, my story has taught me a lot about just love every moment and be patient, forgive somebody. You know, every moment, every day comes with its own worries, its own cross, and that's how I take it. I moved to this country. I got married when I was still in Rwanda with somebody actually from here who have come to work with United Nations there. And I did work with United Nations in Rwanda. So we came here and uh, it was a, a new shock, you know, just to be in a different culture. I didn't know how to deal with winter. I didn't know how to deal with hot summer also because in Rwanda, our weather is between 60 and 85 degrees. January to December, so I didn't know I got sick a lot, and uh, but people were nice. It was so good to discover, and to this day, to discover Americans, you know, to, they love their own troubles they have gone through, and they go through too, and, and to, to see the love of God. I remember when I just came, I was looking for Catholic Church, because that's where I found myself. That's where I felt like, I know this. I, I know what it is to be in Mass, what to say, what to do. And uh, with people with the same faith, you really realize you are the same sisters and brothers of the same God. I mean, everyone. But these people, I can relate. And I'm very grateful now that I'm given a chance mm -hmm. to share my faith. Because, again, this is a beautiful country. Truly, truly beautiful. 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. That makes me feel good because, you know, they say that about Americans, that we're very welcoming. We we love very hard. And I love and I love that. And I and so that makes me feel good that you were received well because you're. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, good. Well, you're Mm -hmm. such a special lady, your beautiful soul. And I loved how you said, you know, we're all sisters and brothers in Christ. And I and that makes me feel even closer to you. So I wish I right now I was in Irondale, Alabama, so I can actually Mm -hmm. give you um, a hug. But I'm giving you a virtual hug right now because you you, yeah, you're you're incredible. We're speaking um, on this pre-recorded broadcast of the new year, folks, new year, new beginnings, new dreams, new hopes. And uh, we want to new content shows for you. So this pre-recorded broadcast was put together by our wonderful producer, Ace. And uh, Immaculate Illa Bagiza is with us, and she survived, and she's thriving through the 1994 Rwandan genocide. And uh, she's telling us her incredible story. Um, I mean, just unbelievable. I, it's 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 almost so, um, I mean, the details of it, when you think about it, you're thinking, how did anyone survive this? Well, she had the rosary in hand, praying it multiple times a day. Uh, Before we get back to our conversation for the final few minutes, and you can find out how you can uh, listen more uh, to what... um, uh, Immaculate is doing with uh, EWTN and the um, the projects and the um, products that she offers for all of us to learn and grow in our faith. Uh, I just wanted to share with our listeners about Open Line on Mondays. Oh, uh, EWTN Open Line this afternoon with Father John Tregilio answering your questions about the Catholic faith. You can call in with your questions at 3 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Immaculate, we have about um, 10 minutes left, and then we close this uh, broadcast. And I'm, I'm hoping that our Take-Two family, I know them quite well because I've been with them for uh, eight, and, eight and a half years, and uh, they, they love the details of a story that is, is a life-changing story. Yours is that. Um, I pray that when, after they listen to this broadcast, they go on social media, they share the broadcast with their friends, let it go far and wide. We need to hear your story over and over and over again. I loved how you said that you you really appreciate the present moment. You know, you have such a deep faith. You're committed to your faith. Um, you're loyal to your faith, which is beautiful. And you're li- you're you're you are living in the present moment. You may or may not know this about uh, Jerry and I. We have an outreach ministry called Stand Tall. It's um, and folks, you can reach us at StandTallToday.com. And we have a panel of really wonderful life coaches. And so, in life coaching, Immaculate, we we believe that you really have to work hard because the world is telling you think of the past and get really bitter and angry, and be really fearful of the future. And whatever you do, don't live in the present. Present. Mm-hmm. And so you shared that you work really hard to appreciate the present moment. A little bit more about that, because I think that could help our listeners in this new year. Oh, thank you so much. It is really true. It is what is out there because we can't change the past. We can only deal with it to accept it, to learn from it, but you can't change. And everyone agrees. And either the past can inspire you, depending on how you deal with it, either with God or without. It can inspire you to do good, to be better, or it can make you really bad. Because you can hurt if you're angry, you hold grudges, you can depend on your past. 
today I will not be here if I have held on to anger, if I have held on to a revenge. I would not be here today. I would have been really, I have, would have lived very miserably in maybe a short time because I would have tried to revenge. I would have tried to hurt somebody, maybe even stronger than me, and then it could have been over. I still remember also being angry. Couldn't remember how to smile. I couldn't remember how to be, to be happy. But when I was able to, to let go of the anger, I felt so free. I, I, I loved who I was. And, and everyone else can see, like, there's a light around you. And yet you, you just went through that. One time I remember one lady came to me. She held me right by my shoulders. She's like, young lady, I want to know one thing. Why do you smile after you just went through hell? You just lost all your parents, all your family. What makes you happy? You have to tell me. I'm like, oh, really? You know, that was right after the genocide, months after. And this doesn't mean that I don't cry. To this day, I still cry for what happened. When I miss my parents, when I see my children graduating, oh, I wish my dad was here to see that. Mm-hmm. You know, I wish my mom was here to see that. And I mm-hmm. still cry out of love. However, I truly have that joy. But it is because I really have to learn the, to deal with the past with God, learning from it, and loving and praying for those who have hurt me. And tomorrow, we don't know what is coming tomorrow. We, no one knows. Again, we have examples every day. Well, every day we can find out somebody who died by a heart attack, by something, an accident, something that surprised them. And people sometimes when we see that, that's when we can say, oh no, today is very important. So just today, love somebody, care for somebody. Because when we die, God is going to ask us, what have you done? And that was a very big pivotal moment during the genocide when I was in refugee camp. I remember thinking, okay, I have nothing to give. What can I even do to love somebody, to live in the present moment? And when I prayed the rosary, I felt something in my heart was saying, just care for somebody around you. But what do I do? I, I don't have food to give them. And something in my heart was like, go and check that child who have open wound. You have no medicine, but if you ask them how they feel, you have done your part. Go to that lady. There was a woman who have lost her mind, really. She had just lost her children, her husband, everything. How can you love that person? Just ask her how she feels or sit beside her. Let her feel somebody cares. You have just done your part now. Love those you live with. Those love you are with in a moment. Because again, you don't even know what is evening. And sometimes to live in the present, for me, is sitting in a plane in this little seat in economy for mm. hours. And I have just to push my bag and be quiet so that the next person by me have a little peace. That's all. So everybody can just choose to live in the moment, love, love, love the best you can in the moment. Maybe it's listening just to look at somebody with attention, with care, and that's it. And mm. if you fall, just to make a decision quickly to apologize to God, and as Catholics, we, we go to confession. To make that decision, intention to go to confession. Even if you don't get there, let's say maybe something happened before that, at least you had that intention. Mm-hmm. So living in the moment is to forgive, is to love who you are with the best you can in that moment. Wow. Immaculate, you are incredible. Wow. 
Uh, your dad knew. Your dad knew to name you after Our Lady. It is so obvious to me in all the years I've been in religious education. You are you are so tight with Our Lady, our our spiritual mom. I love that. I love that Our Lady has you. Um, that is incredible. So, Immaculate, but in the final couple minutes, let me just share with our listeners. Um, uh, EWTN, it's amazing. Um, you're doing um, work on this EWTN, uh, hosting a show on EWTN called I Forgive. Um, so that is incredible. You've got the book uh, entitled, entitled Our Lady of Cabejo in, in uh, Mary Speaks to the World from the Heart of Africa. Mm-hmm. That's on EWTN. The show I Forgive is on EWTN. Wow. I'm so glad you are, you are doing this for us. I love the fact that EWTN has us covered with this, with these uh, great uh, faith stories from around the world. I think it's amazing. So in the last uh, two minutes, we have to give you time to, um, to uh, talk about and show how proud you are of your family, um, your husband, your kids. Uh, please share with us where, you know, anything about your family now. Oh, well, I won't say much, but I am I'm very grateful. My husband has faith. My children have faith. You know, that has always been my number one thing, you know, to, to, to also what you share outside, you can share it home, you know. Suffering, sometimes we go through suffering and it's a part of life. That's one thing our lady have taught us. She said, everyone go through suffering sometimes. So we live a life just like anybody, but we, we, we pray our rosary daily. And we try to do that always and to teach others and invite people home and so we can, you know, also give ourselves to others. We have charities and they help me a lot during my retreats. And I, we take people to Rwanda together as a family to on a pilgrimage to Our Lady of Kibeho. You can actually go, if you go to my website, immacrin.com, you can find out about the next pilgrimages so you can come with us. So, yeah, we, we definitely... I, I think we're we just family like another, but we, we try to serve God as a family. Nice. nice. Yeah. How old are your children? Oh, my children are now young adults. My daughter is 24 and my son is um, 22 years old. Wow. Yes. Wow. Oh, beautiful. Yes. Tell us the website where we can find you and stay in touch with you and where your pilgrimages are. Yes, on immaculate, my first name, I-M-M-A-C-U-L-E-E.com. And I share a lot on my Instagram. I really try to share about my the faith, the little things that really touch my heart in my daily life. Share also other people's, you know, info- content so that I can we can learn from them. So on my website, especially the trips to Rwanda, I love that. I go there three times a year. Beautiful. I may be joining you someday, Please. God willing. Please. That would be amazing. Immaculate. Illa Bagiza, you are incredible. We love you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for telling your story, sharing your story and being with all of us. Dear listeners, please uh, share this broadcast far and wide. I can't stress it enough. That's a good use of social media. Please do so because we I learned a lot. I think you guys did too. Um, and Jerry will be back tomorrow. Thank you so much to Ace McKay, our wonderful producer, putting this together, making this possible for us to interview Immaculate. Um, folks, we love you so very, very much. Until we meet again, have a beautiful and blessed day. We'll see you real soon.